0: Or so since I last taught in the book of Second Samuel, so you can make your way over to Second Samuel. Um, in 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 this past month or so, we had the Passion Week message that that we went through, and then uh, everything else has been kind of going on in my life. And Pastor Gary, who who's just been able to pick up wonderfully. I mean, I, last week again, man, I was just able to come and sit and just. And just listen, you know, and, and, and just uh, have Pastor Gary just come through and, and he covered uh, verse or chapter seven, uh, 16 and 17. And so tonight we're going to be in Second Samuel chapter 18. So if you make your way over, um, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, then you know that King David has fled Jerusalem. As his son Absalom um, has risen up against him. It's interesting because Absalom had, uh, had, had won the people's hearts. And, and, and he had an agenda going through with everything that, that, that he, he had going on in his life. And so now he has risen up against his father. He has proclaimed himself king. And he has most of Israel with him. And now is, uh, King David is on, on the run once again. And part of his, you know, he, he, it's not like he, he he's scared. He just wants to protect the nation of Israel and the the city of Jerusalem from all the bloodshed because he knows that his son is pretty bloodthirsty. He's pretty brutal. And so he, he figures if I just get out of the way, let him go on with his bad self and take care of all this stuff, then then I will remove myself so that I don't cause further harm. But he has all these people who are now following with him uh, following him outside and and so it's interesting because Absalom who, who now comes in is not satisfied with just having his father in exile from Jerusalem he he, he was looking to kill him to take care of him in that way He a- a- Absalom didn't have a great relationship with his father to, to begin with he 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 had some some um some things against his dad you know for not being there for him in other words but the relationship wasn't that great already and so he didn't mind that 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 he was you know he he wasn't satisfied with him just leaving he di- he didn't even mind having him dead and he would rather have his father dead than alive, so he doesn't even have to mess with that whole relationship. And so now David is on the run, and Absalom, in in one sense, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, he's been he's been being played like a fiddle, if you will, by Ahithophel, and then Hushai. You know, they they they've both given him some some advice. You know, and 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 David. Again, man, knowing that Ahithophel was one of his right-hand men and one guy that he could trust and and an advisor and a counselor to him. And all the while, you know, as soon as he had the opportunity to bail and and go to the other side, he does that because Ahithophel ends up being Bathsheba's grandfather. So there was always something in the back of his mind that that he had against David, and, and, and yet he was in his counsel. And then Hushai... He 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 was a friend to David, but David's going, hey man, I need you there so you can kind of confound all the counsel that Ahithophel kind of brings up, and so all this stuff is going on. But both of them, it seems like, are stroking the ego of uh, of Absalom. You know, they're 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 propping him up, man, and and I think he he is he is believing his press releases, <laughs> if you will, of of what's going on, and it almost seems like like pride has captured the heart of Absalom. Even though he captured the hearts of everybody, pride in himself, he has been captured by that. And as you know, or you should know, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall, it says in Proverbs sixteen eighteen. And during all this time, the Lord has given David time to regroup to, to put a strategy together, a plan together to be able to, to take care of this. You know, and David, David's been a, he's been a warrior all his life, man. He, he, is, he has been a man of war from his youth, but Absalom's pride has blinded him of that fact. And I'm sure he thinks, oh, this old man, <laughs> what does he know now? I'm ready to take over. And it will cost him dearly. It will cost the nation of Israel dearly. And so chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, it says, David numbered the people who were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. And David set, sent out one-third of the people under the hand of, of Joab, a third of, uh, under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and a third under the hand of Ithai, the Gittite. And the king said to the people, I also will go out with you myself. But the people answered, you shall not go. If we flee away, they will not care about us, nor if half of us die, they will, uh, will they care for us. About us, but you are worth ten thousand of us now, for you are now more help to us in the city. Then the king said to them, Whatever seems best to you, I will do. So the king stood beside the gate, and all the people went out by hundreds and by thousands. And the king had commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai. Um, saying, "Deal deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captain's orders concerning Absalom. So the people went out into the battle, into the field of battle against Israel. And the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. The people of Israel were overthrown. There before the servants of David and a great slaughter of 20,000 took place there that day for the battle there was scattered over the face of the whole countryside and the wood devoured more people that day than the, sun, than the sword devoured. Now when we go back a few chapters to chapter 15 when David is getting out of Jerusalem it tells us that, that there was 600 men who, who were attached with him when they were leaving. But yet here we 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 hear that, that now he has thousands with him and it's like wow, when did that happen? It hasn't been that long. But I truly believe that as 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 people were kind of kind of seeing the, 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 the heart of Absalom, that they began to bail on Absalom and going, where, which way did David go? We want to go and join him and his army. David had been faithful to these people. He was a shepherd to these people. He had such a heart for them. He was even willing to humble himself and just leave the situation so no more people can get hurt. And so he, he, he leaves and all these people are going, now wh- 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 where's he at? Because we want to join him. And it is possible, very probable, that in this window of time, more and more we're beginning to see the writing on the wall in regards to Absalom. That he was a very prideful man. We, we, we know from other chapters that he was a very handsome man. It says from the soul of his or from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, there was no blemishes on this man. He was it, man. He was, he had it all. And I think his head was so big as well. Because he 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 enjoyed all of that. And so I believe a lot of these people were rejoining David's army. It still wasn't what he had, but it was a lot more than when he left with. And there's something to be said about consistency, about maturity and humility. And this is what we see in the heart of David. We see a man who has been consistent throughout the years. Oh, he's at his faults, he's at his flaws. But he has been consistent in, in leaning into the Lord, in understanding what the Lord had for him. And there's something to be said about maturity, about age, about time, and, and the trials that David went through and the things that he learned. Understanding that, that he wasn't going to fight in Jerusalem because at Jerusalem it would just have been a slaughter and it would just destroyed everything. And so he, in his wisdom, in his years, he decided, let me get away from all of this. And he humbles himself. And so there's something to be said about humility in the life of a, of a person. That, that's been consistent, that's, that's been growing in the Lord, that there, there is a humility that it should be attached to our lives to say, you know what, I'm not going to die on that hill. I'm going to go over here instead. I'm going to get away from the situation and, and, and not hurt anybody else. And I believe that what people started seeing in Absalom, it began to fade quickly. You see, you really can't trust a man who weighs his hair after he cuts it. There's something about that, you know. This guy had so much hair, it said, man, that when he cut it once a year, that he weighed it out, man, it was five pounds worth of hair. And it's like, man, you're really into yourself, aren't you? You know, and, and there's something about this man who, 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 who thinks so highly of himself, And so David begins this great strategy, being the great strategist that he is, and he divides his army in thirds. Now we know about Joab and we know about Abishai that these guys had been proven men. He, these are his, his part of his mighty men, that they had been with him. But Ittai, 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 whatever his name is, the Gittite, had just joined him. When David was leaving Jerusalem, he had just joined him. He had just been in exile himself and joined or came to Jerusalem the day before. But this man must have been a great leader to where a few days later, a few weeks later, David has put him in charge over a third of his company. This this man must have been, uh, again, a proven kind of man who was consistent in his own life, who had who had maturity flowing through his veins in his life, to be able to take this kind of responsibility. And, and, and again, when, when you see him talking to David, when he joins him, there's a humility about him that he is willing to be under this other king, even though he's exiled from his own country. And so there's something to be said about this man as well. And David sees that in him, and he, he, he puts him in a, in a position of leadership within his own army. He was trusted. And it says, So the king said to the people in verse 2 I also surely will go out with you myself. I will go out with you. David is 60 years old at this time. But man, he is still willing to go and fight. He is ready to go to war. He has been a man of war his whole life. He has seen it all. And he's thinking, there's no way that I'm going to stay behind. His heart is to be a leader from the front, not a leader from the back. And his heart has always been that way. And I thought, even as I, I was thinking of this, it's like, yeah, David, right on, man. You're an old man, or getting up there in years. And, 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 and yet, you still want to be in the front lines. But I also thought, well, I wonder if he really wanted to just be in the front lines because he still wanted to protect his son who was out there coming against him. And I think, that's a dangerous place for you, David. What, what, what you don't understand is that he wants you dead. You want life for him still. You want to protect him still. But he wants you dead, David. And perhaps, maybe, there's that feeling in his heart, well, if I go out with the troops, then, then my son will be protected still. Oh, well, he knows the guys that he has around him, especially Joab and, and, and uh, uh, Abishai. But he says, I will go out with you. And it says that the people said, you will not, or you shall not go out! Exclamation point! You are not going to do that. I know you're the king. I know you're all, all those kinds of things. But man, oh man, you are more important to us staying behind than with us. And, and, and I, I love the fact that these people were so committed to David that they saw the value in this man. He says, you, you are worth 10000 compared to us. Man, if we run away, nobody cares. They, they go after the king. They want the king. If, if, if he kills half of us, it's nothing in comparison. If, if he captures the king, then it's all over, David. So, so you cannot go with us, man. They valued him. Because if he got captured or killed, it would be all over. And all their hopes of ever going back to Jerusalem would be totally gone. And so the people truly loved their king, because they knew his heart. They knew his humility. They knew that he was willing to put his life on the line for them. And so in return, they're going, no, let us take care of it. Let us put ourselves in danger so that you will will be able to still lead this country with or without us. They knew that, that protecting him would be the betterment of the, of, the, of the nation. And so they were pretty adamant, you're not going out with us. You are of more value to us alive than dead. We're expendable, you're not, David. And so again, man, you just see the heart of these people for their king. And, and, and I, I, I assume, just kind of reading this, that reluctantly... David says to them, whatever seems best to you, I will do. (laughs) A man's got to know his limitations. (laughs) He's got to know his limits. And, And David is going, okay, if that's what you guys think, if you guys think that that's the best thing for us right now, then I will stay behind. And I love the fact that, again the humility that is shown here by a king towards his people, that he heeds the, we, the words or the voice of his people. But he stood by the gate. <laughs> he was, was going to get as close as he possibly can that they would let him because as they're walking out, I'm sure he is saluting them and, or however it was, but he's watching them go out and thinking some of these guys aren't coming back and they're doing it on my behalf. Because I should be leading this group, but they're telling me to stay behind. In chapter in in, in uh, verses five through seven, it says here, and, and and this is a hard verse. Verse five especially is a hard verse. Because here you have a king, here, here you have a king who has been exiled from his throne. He's been exiled from his palace, exiled from his city and even from his country, because he's on the other side of the Jordan at this point, by someone who happens to be his son. That must be a hard place to, to be be in. Here you're, you're the king of a nation, but you're also the father of the one that wants to kill you and take over and has taken over your nation. His son is his enemy. And as king, he needs to do all he can to gain control of this whole situation for the betterment or for the good of the nation. But as a father, here he, he, he is making the mistake of tying the hands of his commanders by saying, hey, can you just be gentle with my son? And, and, and he doesn't say for the nation's sake, he says for my sake. And that's a hard place, man, because you're a king, and you have to have these, these, you have these two hats of being the king, the leader of the nation, and you've got to watch over the whole stinking nation, and yet you have a son who, who wants to kill you, and your heart is for your son. you want life for your son, even though your son wants death for you. And yet, in his humility in, in his heart, he's going, I, I, "I'd rather that you guys take him alive, if at all possible my sake and 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 again i'm wondering is there still some guilt that you're hanging on to david because you haven't been that good father you you haven't done all you could to restore the relationship with your son and so now you're putting everybody else in jeopardy (laughs) which is wrong as the king but the heart of a dad is right there still and it's such a hard place to be in man because as i'm looking at this i'm going man oh man you know, put yourself in that situation. And maybe you've been put in situations where, where you know the best thing to do is to take care of the issue with your son and, and it's done. Instead of, it's like, well, he's my son. He's my baby. He's a mama's boy. And if, if mama's not happy, well, nobody's going to be happy. And so because of that, you, you bow down and, and you don't take care of business the way you're supposed to take business or, or take care of business as a man taking care of it kind of almost taking yourself out of being the dad that that has a heart for your dad for your son or for your family and it's a hard place to be in david would rather see his son alive than dead whereas his son absalom would rather see his father dead than alive and you're going he hates you david Detach yourself right now, bro, and take care of the whole nation. Because the nation does not need an enemy like that inside anymore. Because you brought him inside for a point, for a time, and even that reconciliation, it was all surface level. He, David did not humble himself when he should have towards his son and taken care of business there. And he just kind of let it go. And I think some people can find fault in David in, in the family issues or, or, or they might not take fault or, or find fault in him because it's like, well, that's his son. Yeah, he killed his other son because that other son raped his daughter. It's a family issue. But he t- should have taken care of the son that raped his daughter. That, that guy should have been long dead by David's command. And then when Absalom killed his son, he should have taken care of that. But he didn't. And so all these things just kind of kept on piling up. And the family was just it, it was just disgruntled. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just all jacked up. And even though he should have dealt severely with them, this right here is not so much a family issue. It's a national issue. He, he has caused or brought a coup upon the nation and he is taking over and he he wants to kill the king and he has made himself king and you can't have two kings like that <laughs> even if it's your son deal with your son <laughs> there's only one king in the house <laughs> you see this was war though And it's interesting because he gives this order to his commanders and all, and I think he did this on purpose. He he, he had it to where everybody heard what he had told these three men. Giving them the order. And so I don't think it was a mistake. I think David was just being dad here. And wanting everybody to know his desire is that his son be taken alive. (laughs) I know that old saying, man, blood is thicker than water man, you can't can't go against your family, huh? It's hard. But as I was looking at that and thinking about that, I said, man, how about the life of Jesus? Because Jesus was in kind of this situation, you know? His family wasn't tripping on him very much. And we see that Jesus puts the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, above his own family. Now, Jesus was not advocating, hey, hate your family. But he was saying, you know, the family of God, the eternal, is is, is more important than the biological. That's a hard issue. Because all of us have biological people in our lives. But guess what? Not all your biological family is going to be in heaven. But you know what? Every born-again Christian will be. And that's a fact <laughs> and so sometimes you almost have to separate yourself from biological because Jesus did he, you know they're going hey your, your, your mother and your brothers are out there he's going who is my mother and my brother you guys are and that's hard you know because again man you, you're almost drawing the line and, and, and Jesus was put in these hard situations. And so we see this situation that David's in. And you're going, man, what would I do if I had to choose between life and death, between my family and, and this or that, you know? And you're going, well, sometimes we're put in those situations as Christians where, where it might not be life and death, but they could really get mad at you. <laughs> and they could, like, talk bad about you. It's like I can't believe that they're doing all the stuff for their church for their, for, their, for their and they do nothing over here, you know, and believe you me, I've heard it all the way. <laughs> Recently I was just reminded that that my mom and dad back in the day, you know, when they're making their will, it's like, well, we don't want to give it to Junior, and that's what they call me junior. because he's gonna give it all to the church. <laughs> Maybe I would. <laughs> But again, it's, it's like, so, so even just little things like that, man, that most of you guys, if not all of you guys, have already had to battle with family. And then having to choose between the kingdom and the family. That's hard. It's not an easy place to be. But we see even in the life of Jesus, he, he, he did it for the greater good. And his battle was fierce. It was brutal. I think Absalom underestimated his father's skill as a man of war, thinking, I'll go go destroy this old man and anybody that has followed him, and then I'm done with my enemy, my father. But David must have known the terrain, and he had an advantage over his son, not to mention the fact that God was on David's side here. And God doesn't have to use swords to take care of business. He used the terrain that day. He, he used the woods of Ephraim to take out more people than the swords did. And so in verse 19, or verse 9 to verse 18, it says, Then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under the thick boughs of the Tamareth tree, and his head caught in the tamarith tamar, tamaret tree. Uh, so, so he was left hanging between heaven and earth, and the mule which was under him went on. Now a certain man saw it and, and told Joab uh, and said, I saw Absalom hanging on the tree. So Joab said to the man who told them, You just saw him? And why did you not strike him there uh, to the ground? I would have given you 10 shekels of silver and a belt. But the man said to Joab, though I were to receive 10,000 shekels of silver in my hand, I would not raise a hand against the king's son. For in your hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai and Ithai, saying, Beware, lest anyone touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise, I would have dealt falsely against my own life. For there is nothing hidden from the king, and you yourself would have set yourself against me. And Joab said, I cannot linger with you. And he took three spears in his hand and thrust them through uh, Absalom's heart while he was still alive in the midst of the tree the the 10 men and 10 men who bore Joab's armor surrounded Absalom and struck and killed him so Joab blew the trumpet and the people returned from pursuing Israel so Jo uh, for Joab held the people back and they took Absalom and cast him into a large pit in the woods and and laid a very large heap of stones over him. Then all Israel fled, everyone to his tent. Now Absalom, in his lifetime, had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the, in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar by his own name, and to this day... It is called Absalom's Monument. What an interesting turn of events that have gone on, isn't it? All that Absalom thought he would be, he ended up being a curse. Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy 21 and in and Galatians, cursed is anyone who hangs on the tree. And he has become a curse. To the nation of Israel, and it is quite possible that Absalom was now on the run, seeing what was happening in this in this battle, that he begins to run after this great slaughter, and he is riding on his mule through the through the the woods, and perhaps looking back over his shoulder uh, to see if anybody is pursuing, and lo and behold, there is a branch. Now it says that his head caught the tree and it could have been some kind of a a low hanging branch or maybe a wide branch that that it says that his head hit it and it could actually be his his neck that he just kind of got you know stuck on there and, and 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 wedged into it to where he couldn't get away from it. And again if he's on the run it probably hit pretty hard. Now, others believe that it was his hair that got caught in the branches. And he just couldn't get loose of it. I mean, if you have pounds, five pounds, he's probably like a few weeks away from getting a haircut. It's like, oh, great. You know, if I would have just cut my hair, I would have just like slid under it. But my hair is like way up here. And, and, And there was no way to get loose of this branch. And it's interesting because, again, he thought so highly of his hair. And if it was his hair, man, it's his hair that done him, did him in, basically. Now, I, I do kind of want to lean towards the hair. Because if he was riding hard and, and his head or his neck hit a branch that hard, he probably would have died instantly. But it tells us that he was still alive. And, but either way, here, here he is. Between heaven and earth, it says. And it's kind of ironic that all he had going for him in the physical realm, his looks, his power, his pride, all the earthly things that he had, there was nothing that he could do in the earthly realm to help himself anymore. And he really didn't have anything going on in the heavenly realm as well. And so there was no one to help him either. And he was left to himself. And he couldn't help himself. And so he was in a really bad place. And I like what one commentator said. He hung between heaven and earth. As unworthy of either. As abandoned by both. Earth would not keep him. Heaven would not take him. Hell uh, therefore opened her mouth to receive him. Now I want to read... From verses 10 to 15 in the New Living Translation, it says, "David, One of David's men saw what had happened and told Joab, I saw um, Absalom dangling from the great tree. What? Joab demanded? You saw him there and did not kill him? I would have rewarded you with ten pieces of silver and a hero's belt. I would not kill the king's son for even a thousand pieces of silver The man replied to Joab, We all heard the king say to you, Abishai and Ithai, For my sake, please spare young Absalom. And if I had betrayed the king by killing his son, And the king would certainly find out who did it. You yourself would be the first to abandon me. Verse 14, Enough of this nonsense. (laughs) You're making too much sense. Um, enough of this nonsense joab says then he took three daggers and plunged them into absalom's heart as he dangled alive on the great tree then 10, ten of joab's young uh, armor bearers uh, surrounded absalom and killed him it's hard for me to figure joab out still <laughs> Where are you at, man? Because it was him who, who brought Absalom back to Jerusalem by, by tricking this lady or tricking David with this one lady from Tekoa and bringing this whole thing around. And then he brings him back and then he ignores him. And because he ignores him, Absalom goes and burns his field. And maybe there's a little revenge here going on about the whole field thing. But when it's all said and done, these two are cousins, they're cousins. But at the end of the day, of this situation, Absalom was an enemy of Israel and an enemy of the king. And Joab, being the, the, the commander, understood, man, I know what the, what the commander told me, but I know what this guy will do if I keep him alive. So he kills him. He couldn't continue to live. Somebody had to die, and, and Joab figured, it's better him than my king David. Because he would always be a threat to the kingdom. And I'm not sticking up for Joab by any means. But this is what pride does when it rears its ugly head. And it needs to be dealt with. And Joab dealt with it. And and, and we see in verses sixteen through through eighteen here that Joab blows the trumpet and the and the war's over. David's going to be able to go back to his kingdom to take over just just the way it's supposed to be. David, the king, wanted mercy, but Joab brought justice. So was the king right and Joab wrong, or was the king wrong and Joab right in this situation? What we do have here is a man who has put a lot of people in bad situations, starting with his dad, but all the other people that have already died because of this man and the people, the 20,000 that died in this war because of his pride, because of who he wanted to be. He wanted to be somebody, man. And, and we see here that he's buried like a nobody. He, he, he was not going to get a king's burial by any means. This man had destroyed so many, lives, so many people's lives, but it was all because of his pride. His pride was just egging him on and people were, were stoking, you know, his, stroking him in, in, in the way that built his pride up even more and he could do anything and go against anybody and here you have a man hanging like a curse and being, being thrown into the, to a pit like trash. Because he wasn't a king. He made himself a king, but that's not what God had intended for him. Even though he had royal blood on both sides, he was not going to be the king of Israel. And he wanted it so bad. He wanted to go down in history as the king, and he wanted to be remembered as a king. And yet we're looking at his story thousands of years later, and and, and the guy dies this, this feeble death, you know. And it's all because of pride. And that's what pride does, man. It just brings you to a place where it destroys people around you and it destroys you. It destroys us. That's what pride does. God resists the proud, the Bible says, but gives grace to the humble. In Proverbs 27, 2, it says, Let, a mutton, uh, let another man's, uh, another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. And this guy was building everything up for himself. He believed his press releases, what everybody was saying about him. Now it's interesting because in, in, in chapter 14 of 2 Samuel, it tells us that Absalom had three sons and one daughter. And somewhere along the line, he lost his three sons. Because he says there is no son. That, 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 will re, that will carry my name. And so somehow, however it happened, man, there was a lot of tragedy, a lot of hurt that went on in this man's life. He had a sad life. But you see, he let pride rule his life. And he never allowed humility to rule his life. It's almost like he, he was so hurt by everything that had gone on in his life. But the Lord was not far away from him. And yet he never turned to the Lord. He really didn't. Absalom probably felt that everybody owed him something, especially his dad. And man, I know that there's people in our lives, and maybe you're one of them, man, that you always go back and you, you blame everybody else. And it's like, okay, stop. Knock it off, man, because you're going to end up like an Absalom here. That pride just eats at you. And you cannot humble yourself anymore. You end up having a sad life. <laughs> you end up being a curse instead of a blessing to people. <laughs> he never quite got what he wanted. He was always he was always pursuing it, man. And in that pursuit, he died. And he ended up hurting a lot of people along the way. Verse 19, it says, then Ahimaaz the son of zadok said let me run now and take the news to the king how the lord has avenged him and his enemies and joab said to him you shall not take the news this day for you shall not take for you shall take the news another day but today you shall take no news because the king's son is dead then joab said to the cushite go tell the king what you have seen so the Cushite bowed himself to Joab and ran. And Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, But whatever happens, please let me also run after the Cushite. So Joab said, Why will you run, my son, since you have no news ready? But whatever happens, he says, Let me run. Please, please, please. So he said to him, Run. <laughs> Then Ahimaaz ran the way of the plain and outran the Cushite. Now David was sitting between the two gates. And the, watch, uh, the watchman went up to the roof over the gate to the wall, lifted his eyes and looked. And there was a man running alone. Then the watchman cried out and told the king. And the king said, if he is alone, there is news in his mouth. And he came rapidly and drew near. Then the watchman saw another man running. And the watchman called to the gatekeeper and said, "Another! There is another uh, man running alone. And the king said, He also brings news. So the watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahimaaz the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man and comes with good news. Then Ahimahaz. so Ahimahaz called out to the, and said to the king, All is well. Then he bowed down with his face to the earth before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord your God, who delivered up the men who raised up, against, uh, raised up their hand against the Lord the king. The king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? Ahimahaz said, when joab sent the king's servant and me your servant i saw a great tur- tumult but i don't know what was what it was about then the king said turn aside and stand here so he turned aside and stood still just then the cushite came and the cushite said there is good news my lord the king for the lord has avenged you this day as all, of all those who rose against you? And the king said to the Cushite, "Is the young man Absalom safe?" So the Cushite answered, "May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise against you to do harm be like that young man." Then the king was deeply moved and went up into uh, to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said thus, Oh, my son, Absalom. My son, my son, Absalom. If only I had died in your place, Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Ahimahaz here, he's one of those people that, that wants to have some kind of importance. And it's like, here, let me go and take care of the situation. And I think Joab was trying to protect him. It's like, it's not good news that you have. And you're not good at good giving bad news. And we know that King David, when others have come to give him news about killing King Saul or king, killing killing the, the the king's son, he had them killed. So maybe uh, him has you don't want to be that. I have the Cushite here who knows tact. He knows how to go take care of this. But he's like, but I want to go. I want to go take care of this. And it's interesting because the roads that they take, the 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 Cushite takes takes the, the harder terrain road, and yet. Uh, has takes the plane, the easier road. It's a longer road, but he beats them there, and he's a runner. (laughs) And yet, he has nothing really to say. He doesn't use tact. He doesn't know how. He just wants the good news. This is good news. Hey, I don't care about the other good news. How's my son? Well, yeah, um, I don't know what happened to your son, and he's lying because he does know. But he doesn't know how to break it to the king. And yet the Cushite, he takes the harder road and he gets there, but he knows how to talk to the king. He used tact. (laughs) Someone defined tact, as I learned, as the knack of making a point without making an enemy. (laughs) He knew how to say it. And if you don't have something to say that that, that you can use tact, then don't say anything, now. This guy wanted to be important. But understand, understand how, how David was so anxious to hear news. And when he got the news about his son, Absalom, it was quite different than when he got the news about the baby who had died in his life. If you remember several weeks back, when his baby died, man, he rose up and he said, he, he, I, I cannot bring him back, but one day I will go to him. But you see in this situation, man, he's going... If only I had died instead of you. You see, he knew where Absalom's heart was at. He thought, I'm, I'm never going to see this man again. What a difference, huh? <laughs> what a difference. Because David, man, he, he, he loved his, his, his boys, but he knew Absalom was in sin. He knew that Absalom would never go to where he would one day go and see his other son. He knew that and he mourned for him there was this weeping there was this hurt there was this just pain in his heart that he is just so in anguish because of the death of his son what a contrast when someone you know is going to heaven and others that you're going I don't know where they were at and your heart breaks and it hurts because you'll never see them again that's harsh. And this was harsh news for the for the king. He, he didn't turn against the Cushite in any way. I think David knew what the Lord was already doing and taking care of the situation for him. Da- David had suffered quite a bit. You know, when he committed the sin against Bathsheba, and remember the, the story that Nathan gave him about the little young lamb and and David said, well, he should, he should pay back fourfold. <laughs> and yet we see that David lost his son. His daughter gets raped. His other son gets killed by his other son. And now his other son, four people in his life. Just tragic. And he basically paid fourfold for his sin. And so David's still reaping a lot of what he did. Now. And other people paid for his sin, in other words, so. I don't know how to finish this except let's pray. <laughs> Jesus, it is a hard, hard chapter, Lord, as we look at this. It doesn't finish well. Oh, you take care of the situation, Lord. We understand that. But we have a king who happens to be a dad <laughs> who has an enemy for a son. And when he dies, he understands. He understands. What was going to happen. And Lord, again, Lord, it's just it just hurts. It hurts, Lord God, when we when we read uh, an example that you give to us in your word, Lord God, but you give it to us for a reason, Lord, so that we can learn what pride does in people's hearts. It separates us from you, Lord. <laughs> you say that, 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 that you will lift up the the humble, but you will put down the pride and the prideful, Lord, and we see a picture of that here. And Absalom never humbled himself before you, Lord. And the end, is tragic. But I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord. We all battle with pride. It's something, Lord God, that, that is just within us, that that is so often just wanting to rear its ugly head in our lives, Lord God, but you've given us your spirit, Lord. The same spirit that that, that, that humbled himself and bowed down and washed his disciples' feet. <laughs> You've given us that same spirit to humble ourselves in any situation, with anybody, Lord. And I just pray, God, that we would take heed to a story like this, to an example like this that you give to us, Lord, that we might be able to be humble. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for these examples. I pray that you would help us in dealing with depriving our life, Lord. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, man, please don't leave here without getting some prayer. You know, we've got people up here.